Welcome to the Why Podcast. This is your host, Young Cornbread. And for the third episode, I have my brother here with me, DJ Mad Max. What's going on, Andrew? I appreciate you having me up here on the Why Podcast. Shout out to you and everything that you're doing on your independent platform. People got to support the independents out here for real. Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, this is coming up two years of me being independent with Cornbread Media. You know, I started my business in August of 2020. That's right. So... This independent grind is, it's a different one because, you know, all the resources that you have to gather is, you know, by yourself. And, um, you know, I'm kind of like a solopreneur because, you know, I'm doing everything by myself right now. But eventually I'm working to, like, you know, build a team and stuff. So it's it's been dope. And, so and you're far. doing that. You you had the internships in college with Sway on SiriusXM. You got all the experience out there and... I'm sure you're going to be in the station one day. If not, your th- your own platforms are going to be popping for sure. Yeah, man. You know, we'll see, man. <laughs> With it, you know, how things are going right now, you know, everything is up for grabs. So, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, man. Getting into your story, man. You're hailing from Connecticut. Um, What part of Connecticut are you from? I'm hailing from Fairfield County, Connecticut. Grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut. And, you know, I'm blessed to be born and raised there. I grew up in a diverse community, so it put mm-hmm. me in the landscape of understanding other people's walks of life and just listening to hip-hop. Hip-hop became was detrimental for me growing up there and just hearing it around and just being in that diverse and, and being a part of the, the culture of hip-hop. And that's, that's really fundamental and why I'm probably here today, just being all interested in the hip-hop mm. and, and just wanting to have a career in it and, and having a show based on it. For sure. And you come from Norwalk, Connecticut. So what was it like growing up there, you know, it, it, in it your was, youth? It was great. I enjoyed growing up there. It, it, it's really the, the main reason why probably that just that I'm so understanding of other people's and other walks of life because I've mm-hmm. I've, I've understand how, you know, what, what people go through with different walks of lives and for sure and, and just I've seen how police operate and mm-hmm. when we talk about police brutality I've seen certain incidents and and heard stories from people that have gone through it mm. so it's maybe understanding f- from people who have those stories and where people who may like they say white people who have grown up in white neighborhoods right they might might not have understand that but I understand that mm-hmm. by seeing what they're going through and, and hear what they hear because sometimes people just turn a blind eye to these things Absolutely. And especially with everything that happened from 2020, you know, with the George George Floyd, Floyd, yeah, yeah, with the George Floyd protest and, you know, police brutality and that being captured on camera. Yeah. You know, that was very serious. I think that was really the first time that we seen people of all different walks of life, you know, really start to stand up for it. Now, was it genuine? I'm sure, you know, some acts were genuine. I, I can't speak for everything, but like, you know, it was definitely something that put a shift, I would say, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I remember when, when I did my interview with my son a few weeks ago, he said white people mm-hmm. have been protesting at all these protests that are going on when an innocent black man is killed. For sure. And, and it's insane because, you know, when I went to high school, I went to a, one of the whitest high schools out there. It's, it was a Catholic school and it's closed now. Thank God. There is a God. I went to a Catholic school. <laughs> closed, right? Yeah. So I, I went there and I remember just being outnumbered because I came from a black neighborhood. And I just remember them mm-hmm. looking down and just hearing things like about just conservative viewpoints. Right. So that, that they didn't think that it was real. And I was telling them, like, there's stuff goes down. It's like you got to go For out sure. there and do your research. Because I remember when out in Sterling was killed with the CDs. Mm. He was selling the CDs out there in front of the store. And it's like, how do you not see that? You watch the camera and they're trying to make excuses 
uh, just about, oh, well, he was moving funny or they're not just going to kill someone innocent. I remember a kid telling me that and I'm right. like, really? That's that's some white privilege stuff right there. Mm. Can, can I curse on here? Yeah, you, you can, can curse. Okay, yeah. that's some white privilege shit right there. No, for real. And you, I remember you telling me about that because, um, you know, when the situation with Colin Kaepernick had happened and you were talking about freedom of speech. Yeah, yep. Um, so most of the students that went to, like, your schools and stuff, it was a private school, right? Yeah, it was a private school because I'm from Norwalk, so I went to Stanford mm -hmm. and the, the private high school was in Stanford. I went there and I it just, I really didn't have the best of times there. Mm. And I just kind of just w stayed low key when I was in high school, but... I, I was not the one to just sit there and listen to people talk and, you know, I, I always had to speak the truth on things on what I saw and just, just mm. kept to myself about it. I didn't really fit in with a bunch of preppy kids. That's not where I came from. Right. And I remember you telling me this was like off the record. Yeah. But you would say that um, even some of the the white students, they would call you like Wigger. Yeah, they, like they that, would. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They would, they would call me that. They'd be like, "Oh, why, why does Max act black?" And and they would say that. And it's like, mm. that's just, I'm just born. That's how I born. So if if people understood me, understand where I grew up, yeah. they'd understand why I am a certain way and, and why I like what I like. For sure. Same way, why they act like they like. You know what I mean? Because of what their interests are and how they grew up. You know, I think it's all about life. Is all about a learning process and just putting each other, putting yourself in each other's shoes. I think if people put themselves in other people's shoes i think they would understand things differently and they mm. just don't so they just go with their closed mind and their own viewpoints and they don't dip out the box they'd rather stay boxed in mm. and with you being you know influenced by hip-hop so much like how did you get into hip-hop you know as a young child Did I'd say, say my introduction was Nelly's Country Grammar. And I was okay. like, I, yeah. in the early 2000s. <laughs> right. So that was my favorite rapper growing up when I was younger because I was like one or two in the car. My mom was playing it in the car ride with me. So I, when, he, when he'd be like, hey, must be the money. So I'd be saying, hey, like along with the song when I was yeah. like one, two years old. I was like probably one of the only words that I can make out during that time. And, and from there, it just grew. You know, I was putting the, the Band-Aids on my face. like yeah, the, the, right. The stripe. I remember I was doing that when I was younger when he came out with Nellyville and Hot in Here. And then from there, I, I grew on to, like, Eminem and 50 Cent. Those were, like, my main three growing up, like, real young. Then it started expanding into the the later, or like, later 2000s with Lil Wayne and then Drake. But once I found Wu-Tang, once I heard, I, I had this greatest hits playlist of the Wu-Tang. And I remember hearing the projects the first time and even cash 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 rules scary hours right cash still rules scary hours I remember hearing those two songs and that was my introduction to wu-tang and, and then that, that was my gateway into the 90s hip-hop scene and man that's how i look at hip-hop differently now because when you see hip-hop coming out today hip-hop back then had a message mm. the beats were different and people always say oh well it's the beats that are popping today the beats were more popping back then premier pete rock and what they were doing with the jazz samples on those beats you can't beat that no, for sure. And it is something that kind of gets overshadowed because, you know, we have so much conversations, yeah. <laughs> like we just jump right into it. But like, you know, we always talk about like bridging the gap between um, the old and the new and um, rest in peace to DJ K Slay. I know that Absolutely. you interviewed him. Um, yeah, that was a couple of months ago, right? That was actually I think it was the year of COVID. I think it was in October of 2020. I, okay. I, I can't remember. Um the, the exact pinpointed date, 
But we, we did do an interview. I had a great time speaking with him. And he was someone that always, rest in peace to DJ K-Slay and giving the opportunity to even interview him and, and talk about what he's done for hip-hop and just the album that he had out at the time and when he was doing Rolling 110 Deep. Sure. I know he was about to come back and do Rolling and 200 Deep or uh, something like that. He he had a bigger list plan. But just, just talking about it because he was someone that always kept it real with the hip-hop and invited you up to the station. If you had bars, he didn't care if you had five followers, a thousand followers, mm-hmm. two million followers. If you could rap, you were on his platform. Right. And that's what we need in hip hop. Enough of the the people letting these people in here just because they buy fake views and, and they got money because they got clout on Instagram. What happened to the real profits of hip hop mm. that were actually spreading a message in their music? Because that's the thing today is that there's not a message in there. I'm not saying people can't make their money. You can make your money and, and that's cool. And and being a DJ, I had to play some of the stuff that you're hearing on the radio. But at the end of the day, take me back to Nas. Give me something that Nas was doing. Give me something that Lauren Hill was doing. Give me mm. something that Public Enemy and NWA were doing. We don't need to hear about money every day and clubs and partying because life isn't a party all the mm. time, 24-7. We all That's go through fact. things. We've all go, gone through our depression phases. Th- these rappers today, I just feel as though they, they don't speak on it a lot. But you do have people like Nipsey Hussle. We talked about him. Dave East. Yeah. Dave East is another great one out there that's doing great things for hip-hop and, and has a message. And, you know, those people should be held up more and given their flowers because that's they deserve sure. them instead of people like 6 9 who's out here ratting yeah you know what i'm saying no that's that's a fact man and what i was gonna say with dj k slay was um i know that a part of that interview you know he was talking about like the younger generation paying homage um to the older generation and i think the disconnect comes in to where you know there's not enough education Mm -hmm. you know that's really you know the younger people they're not really doing their research you know for you you know, your start was Nelly, but then you ended up going back and, you know, doing the research. And as for me, you know, I want to say like the first hip hop artist I was introduced to, the first couple of hip hop artists I was introduced to, um, Nas and Biggie, those were the two like... Two East Coast goats. Yeah, those were the two rappers that I first like really like started listening to because, um, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, like my dad, like he always listened to... um life after death mm-hmm. like he always listened to that album and i remember um he lost the second cd so i was thinking it was a double yeah CD. it was a double disc right so i always remember like growing up as a kid i knew that there was two discs but i always remember hearing the first cd and thinking like oh that's like the full album or something like that but then i remembered i'm like nah it was actually a double disc and um also with nas with stillmatic that was the first Nas album that I ever listened to. And Ether. I remember, yeah, I remember listening to that on the CD player in like 2002. Like I was actively like saying like, yo, I want to listen to this. And then after that, it was 50 Cent. And then, you know, um, who else? De La Soul. De La with three, Soul, fo- three feet, yeah, three feet high and rising. Like I remember like listening to that album in elementary school because that, that was like a big influence for me. You know what I'm saying? So... I just feel like that education really isn't there, you no. know what I'm saying? Especially with the, you know, the young people. Like, you could hear it in the music now. Like, you know, it kind of seems like a lot of people are just following the trends of, you know, whatever is hot. And you're from Boston, so yeah. I'm going I'm to give the praise out here. Someone who's really underrated doesn't get brought up as much as he should be. And you can consider him a top 10 MC of all time is Guru. Mm. I was listening to Moment of Truth the other day and I said that's one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time from the beats to the lyrics to the production above the clouds with you got Inspect the Deck on there. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, talk about an underrated group, an underrated duo, Gangstar and Gurus, never brought up in the top 10, top 25 MC discussions ever. And that's a crime to me. I would agree, man, because, you know, it's just like the education isn't there. And also with Gangstar, you know, they didn't have as much of the commercial success as no. some of the other artists, you know, coming out during those times in the 90s and stuff like that. So they don't really get their just due. No, but. they don't. They, they don't. They're definitely one of the underrated ones out here. People should go do the research on them if they haven't heard of Gangstar. I mean, one of the greatest duos of all time, DJ Premier and, and Guru. Rest in peace. For sure. Now, getting into, like, your start in radio, you know, talk about that. Like, how did you get started in your career? How I got started in my career was just going up when, once I got into college and, and going to St. John's. I, I needed to join a club that was of my interest because my first semester there, in 2017, I was just getting acclimated and just understanding how college worked. Yeah, with being academics. in New York. Yeah, being in New York and, <laughs> and, and getting the, the getting used to the whole process of everything, going to your classes and understanding the college schedule. Then comes second semester is when I leaped right to the radio station and I had to go through the, the freshman center and, and the people in the freshman center didn't even know where the radio station was. And I had asked like two people, where's the radio station? And then they eventually told me where it was. I went up there and you were the first person I met at the radio station. And you showed me the ropes there when I first started and just told me what I needed to do to get my show, get your 10 hours, sit in on shows, take a board test. I actually made a mix for my board test. And mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I, I remember that. that. And, and then from there, I think I got my hours done within, what, like a week? A yeah, week you were pretty quick about it. Yeah, you were pretty quick about it. I went right in there and, and I got my hours. I got my show. And you were my first guest on my show because I wanted to have someone I could talk to just to break the, the airways for my first show because I like having a guest on my show because I, it's very guest oriented because when you usually have a radio show, they're giving you guests. They're, they're, you're, you have this big call in. And I didn't have a following at that time because you're starting mm-hmm. from the bottom up, the ground up. So I said, I'm going to bring Andrew in here. And I think we had a conversation about the Jets and the Patriots. And yeah. we, talk, we <laughs> talked about some sports. And, and then from there, it, it just went on. I remember I started out with independent artists and just just built the confidence to start reaching out to hip-hop legends to come on my show. And I'd say, like, the first one to really put me over the edge and build my confidence was Mike Geronimo, mm-hmm. Master IC. He's a Queens queen's legend right there and mm-hmm. shout out to mike geronimo for being my first prominent guest in in the hip-hop world and give me that confidence to go on because from there my mike geronimo interview was my sophomore year beginning very beginning of my sophomore year in college and from there it just took off as everyone who follows me has seen right and how was would you say like your experience with doing college radio like what did you learn from it I would say it, it taught me the, the ropes and just how I think the radio station is run and just build, building within yourself because you're teaching yourself at the end of the day when you're at college radio, especially mm-hmm. where where we went. We had to teach ourselves because the radio program at St. John's University wasn't taken seriously. So it was kind of you just kind of fend for yourself. Mm. And we did that. So I taught myself the ropes and, and I kind of got better over time. Like when I, I'll admit it, like when you go back and I go back and I listen to my some of my interviews from my freshman year, you know, I don't think they're the best interviews. People are like, oh, they're good. But. From where I'm at now, right, it's completely different, and it's the growth process. If you can notice that you have growth, you've obviously learned something, and you're meant to be where you're yeah. at today. Because once you have growth, you know that that's how you know you're going to be successful at something that you do. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that, uh, backtracking a little bit, I know that before you even got into the radio industry, um, you know, you were also into like 
you know, movies as a child. Yeah. So does that play a role in, you know, your radio career at all? Or is that something that, um, you know, is a little bit separate, would you say? I, I think, you know what, everything happens for a reason. Because like you said, I was in the movies and film growing up. I know I, I always liked horror movies growing up from Jaws to the old Universal Monster movies. I'm a big horror movie guy. You know that. So I remember being young. And right into these guys, I think this is where we're leading it to, right into right. The, the big directors in Hollywood and writers and actors and some which are going to be seen on the show. I wrote to John Carpenter who made Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York, Wes Craven, rest in peace to Wes Craven, the, the horror master, the greatest writer and director of all time. He did Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills of Eyes, Last House on the Left. He did The Screams. He did The Screams. Right. And, and, and then I wrote to Francis Ford Coppola. He did The Godfathers. Mm -hmm. And I was writing to these guys, writing to their fan mail address, and they all wrote me back. And there's a bunch of other people, but the ones that were special to me were the ones I mentioned, John Carpenter, Wes Craven, and Francis Ford Coppola, because originally I wanted to be a writer and director for horror movies. And they wrote me back, and it meant the world to me at that time, because being, I was nine, nine or ten years old doing this. Wow. So it, it was just crazy to believe that that you can have a contact with a celebrity like that at that young of an age. So once I got older, this connects to radio. When I was reaching out to people, I was and, and when I was reaching out to Wes Craven and John Carpenter, I was asking them for advice on and just how to get into the movie making business at this young of an age and what they did in their careers and how they made films and put things together. And so when I think about it, I was already kind of interviewing people at the age of nine in my own way, even though it was on a small piece of notebook paper writing to these people. And it just it makes you think like was I kind of always trying to interview people from that 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 age I would say, and then just thinking about it from they today I'm still reaching out to people to get on my show so I was always not afraid to contact celebrities it was just never in me it was like natural it was natural you, you would say it was like I was born with it like I, I like there's certain people that ask me they're like I don't know how you talk to these people I don't know how you write to these people but it just came natural. Mm. And what would you say, like, from reaching out to, you know, these figures, these public figures, like, what was one of the lessons that you learned or something that you took away from it? Because you did it at such an early age, you know, a lot of kids, you know, at eight and nine, you know, I know I was, like, thinking about playing video games and stuff <laughs> like that. I wasn't thinking about, oh, you know, let me try to write to, you know, one of my idols. I was just seeing them on the television screen, but I didn't think to take it that deep. So what made you want to do that i think i wanted to do it just because i was so interested in it at the time and i'm big on never be afraid or get discouraged if someone tells you no just always take the chances that are out there never be afraid to go and try something and if it says no don't get discouraged from it never let anyone tell you no because who are they to tell you no you go out there and you chase your dreams that's how i look at it and from that standpoint and just what I was looking for, because when I was younger, I had a journal and I was writing my own horror movies when I was younger. So I think I was really serious at that time. And even being nine years old to really just figure out what I would want to do in my future, because I had my mind set when I was younger. I wanted to go to a film school and then things changed. And eventually I went to St. John's and got into radio. But I mean, if you look at it, because I was so into hip hop and I was so into sports, I was always growing up listening to WFAN, being from the tri-state, listening to the sports talk, mm -hmm. big sports fan. So it, it kind of just all spiraled from that. And now you, you look at it today, it's like I'm doing radio. And then I, I talked to you before, and I'm sure we'll bring it up later, is that now I'm, I'm pursuing acting now. Right. 
and we'll get into that a little later. But I think everyone's just coming full circle, 360 degrees. Most definitely. Because, you know, everything, like you said, it's a process and it's about growth. Yeah. You know, it takes time to go through, you know, certain things as far as you reaching out to people and also getting the knowledge and understanding of it. Because, you know, at least for me, I know I had to build up the confidence because, you know, for myself, when I started radio, that was in 2013. And I was um, in high school. Yeah, I was in high school. Um, and that and that's something that's kind of unheard of because most high schools, they don't really have like radio stations like that. You know what I'm no, saying? So that's, that's a rare occurrence right there. Yeah. And, and you took advantage early. Yeah, man. And that was something that, you know, at the time when I started like doing radio back then, I was like 16. And um, this year, like I'm 25 right now. So it'll be like nine years in September of me doing radio. Congrats and it's like, you know, I'm only starting like my third podcast episode. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, to me, I'm like, damn, that's a lot of growth because, you know, I know all the steps that I had to take to get there, you know, as far as like my mentors, you know, teaching me and schooling me along the way you know it was a huge process you know and just like how you said you know when you go back to like your first like interviews or your first couple of radio shows because a lot of the radio shows that I did um back then they were never really like recorded like I don't have the recordings of them or anything like that mm -hmm. but I just remember the feeling of having to go through that process of starting out doing automated shows and then, you know, eventually, like, doing live shows, but in the process of that, learning the mixing board and just getting comfortable with, you know, speaking on air. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it definitely is a process, yeah. man. And, and people need to recognize that just because what you don't see doesn't mean that there's something isn't going on behind the scenes because you put a lot of work in, in the episodes that you do behind the scenes. Each For episode, sure. you do, like, what certain people do, like, what, what these people do up at these stations, they're handed everything, so they don't have to do much work. You, as an independent person, you put, you, you, you have a lot of pride and you put a lot of work into each episode to make it, like, a person's journey. And salute to you for that because there's not a lot of people out there doing that. You know, they'll have, they'll have a podcast with a few of their buddies and they'll talk about some topics, but you're trying to highlight people's journeys in this, and that's... That's real right there. And yeah, I appreciate you and for that, that. And that's a part of the, yeah. you know, the why is understanding, you know, not only why people do things, but just more so like giving that knowledge. Cause I would consider myself like a, a journalist, but Absolutely. also like an educator. So people could watch this podcast and, you know, they could pick up, you know, a gem or two and apply that to whatever they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Most definitely. So, with you being independent right now, I know that you you want to get into, you know, a station. Like, what is your, you know, what do you plan on doing with that? Like, working for a radio station? Or are you going to stay independent? Right now, I, I've been, we, we've, we've, I've been looking for work in radio, but I, I'm staying independent until there's a position that opens up that I feel as though is right for me. Right. Because in the end, why am I going to go be a producer or a board op when I can do on-air work? And it doesn't have to, you don't have to give me the primetime slot. You can give me some off hour. I'll do it. I, I've interviewed some of the biggest people in the, in the industry. You know, Just give me an opportunity to, to, to prove myself within your station. Right. Because I, I proved myself independently. I proved myself in college. So it, it's just from there where I'm not going to be waiting around much longer. And this is where it branches out into this thing. I, I'm going to start looking for TV work. I, I I just recently got an agent 
Right, you was telling me about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently just got an agent, so I'm looking for TV work. Red, I want to do red carpet interviews, and right. I, I'm hearing that that's a possibility. I could do red carpet interviews at, at big events, so that's something that can really get my feet wet. Acting, I'm considering bridging into acting. I'm ready to take that on full time now and just work my ass off and, and to till to become a household name. So it gets me connections because life is all about connections. We talk about this thing called politics, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we, we talk about politics because that's a key word out there. It's all about who. It's not what you know. It's who you know. That's a because fact. I already I I already know a lot about hip hop and sports and stuff. So now it's all about who you know. Mm. And you also talked about um, moving out to the West Coast, moving yeah. out potentially moving out to Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, how do you feel like that's gonna help you with the whole networking part process as far as getting into the acting world? Yeah, I'm ready to pull a pock trying to go to the West Coast. You know what I'm <laughs> I, I think I, I, <laughs> I'm ready to go out there because you know, just from people that I've interviewed and in all forms of entertainment, have told me just the connections that you make as soon as you're out there, you could run into a CEO of some label or, right. or an actor who's an up up and comer, you can always run into someone and, and make those connections. Whereas if you're out in the tri-state like Connecticut, I mean, there's I mean, there's nothing out there. In my opinion, there's nothing out there. In New York, it, 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 it's a it's a big place. It's a small it's a small place for certain people because it's so big. But people know New York pretty well if you're here. But for me, I feel as though that my time is kind of maxed out in, in New York a little bit. I just feel like it's maxed out because, you know, just being here in college and making the connections that I made there and trying to get in these buildings and, and just knowing a lot of people. I want to broaden my demographic of connections that I have already made. And I think I think L.A. is the, is the place to be because especially if I want to get into the film side of things. Right. You know, there's a lot more opportunities in L.A. They call L.A. the land of opportunity. So. I think that's where eventually I see myself within within a year or two. I say I'll say I'll be ready to get out there because I'm gonna save up some income and, and get out there and pursue whatever lane it is that I'm ready to start pursuing here on a serious level because I'm gonna keep going on my show because we know that that's a dream of mine to to do interviews and do radio. But if I'm I'm not gonna let here and, and sit here and let people you know dictate who gets in these positions with the politics side of things. I'm gonna go out and get what's mine. Mm. And that's very commendable because a lot of people, you know, I know that you, you know, we both talked about it, but, you know, applying to radio stations, you know, and you're just yeah. getting rejection letter Politics. after. Yeah, you're getting rejection letter after rejection letter. And a lot of people would have crapped out and be like, you know what, fuck it. I'm not going to, um, I'm just going to do something else or I'm going to, you know, lower my standard. But you're like, nah. I want to go out to, you know, if I'm not getting the opportunity here in New York or Connecticut, I'm going to go out to Los Angeles and try my luck out there. And I was telling you, I'm like, bro, I think, you know, you're. I feel like you're doing great for yourself right now because, you you know, you have a lot of um, connections that you've made in the industry. You have a catalog of interviews. And I'm like, damn, like, this is yeah. this is impressive, it man, does, at but, your but age. At the end of the day, like, like what yeah. you said, because on the outside, people are like, oh, you're, you're winning, you're building this platform. But at the end of the yeah, day, yeah. that's what matters right there. And at the end, when, when you're making a career and you got income coming in, because I'm independent right now, I'm not, I'm not making income <laughs> off that. Right. So that right there is the main thing in the end. The, the, the money. The, the, mon the money. Because like at the end of the day, I could be interviewing all these people and I'm grateful for that. But it's like I got to survive out here, too. You know, mm. bills to pay, student loans. You know, I hope Biden keeps pushing that back and gets that <laughs> get rid of all that student debt for all the students out there so we don't got to pay that because you know why I, I, you know what we know why also we, we we should get rid of student debt because we're 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 left in debt 
and in colleges, they don't show us the way to get jobs. They don't teach us that you got to have that middleman job coming right out of college and that you may not get that job that you want right out. Like they don't prepare you for that. They just they just sell you a bad bill of goods. Oh, you get that white piece of paper. You, you get to do what you want to do in life. Bullshit. You don't do that. You, you, you struggle like w- w- the stories that we hear about. We don't go right in there. A, a few, only a few people get right into the in, in this industry and, and get to do what they want to do. And, and, and what's that lead back to? Politics. It's all who you know. Mm. And it being at the right place at the right time. Mm. That's for real, man. And that the big thing that you said about it was like money. Like I know a lot of people are looking at this um, cover art because like a lot of the cover arts, like it matches like the theme of the episode. It matches well. And one thing that I was thinking about is time is money. And money is something that you can spend it. You can always make it back. But time is something that you can't get back. And that's one thing that the pandemic taught me because I'm like, wow, like, when the pandemic first started, I was I had just turned 23. I was thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to start doing all these different interviews for my business. Then boom, you know, COVID-19 hits. And, you know, it's two years later. And it's just like, wow, where did all this time go? And, you know, it's something that it just gives you time to really think about it because, you know, it's just been so much craziness that's been going on in the world. So it's kind of hard to, you know, manage or, you know, juggle that. And speaking of um, the pandemic, like, how did you react? How did you, you know, deal with everything that's been going on recently? Uh, first and foremost, I think the the appropriate thing would be to do here is rest in peace to everyone that that lost a life and and lost a loved one during that time during the pandemic. Because the news doesn't doesn't want to cover it anymore. You know, they cover their own agendas and, and they don't speak about COVID still going on out here. People take it as a joke. And and it, that's just a, a disgrace in and of itself. But it, it taught me ingenuity because at that time, you know, I was still running my radio show as a, as a junior in college. So mm. I had all these interviews lined up and scheduled at that time. So I had to figure out a way that I could still continue doing my show from home. And that's when I established my webcam with the camera. Then I eventually was able to pick up Zoom. I, I got some money saved up for Zoom and I started doing the Zoom interviews. And, and, and I, I, to be honest, I think COVID really boosted my career because everyone was sitting in the house and I was able to interview all these big people like Fat Joe, Fabio Foreign. Mm-hmm. I was interviewing Michael Rappaport. I did all these big interviews. So COVID kind of saved my career. You mm. kind of got to, you got to take, you got to take the the positives from a negative. You always got to find something positive in a negative situation. And I, I think the fact that, that COVID did happen, that really solidified me. And, you know, I was solidified before, but COVID just brought my, my radio game up to a, a, another upper echelon. Mm. That's interesting because, you know, you do hear a lot of people saying that, you know, with the pandemic, like that was one of the, you know, it's still going on. But like in the beginning of it, you know, everybody was just so humstrung on being in the house and stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is the perfect time to really start to build up and becoming just a little bit more mentally strong and self-aware because that's what I had to do. Because I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I was sleeping on the couch in my apartment. Like, I literally had nothing, bro. Like, I was broke as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was selling clothes, you know, just to feed myself. Like, yeah. I was down to my last. And the crazy thing was, um, like, right as the, um, the pandemic, like, really started, I'm talking about, like, the shutdown yeah. in March. Like, that was the, that same week I had just started working. And um, it was through, like, a temp agency because, you know, I wasn't getting no looks or no jobs or no 
know anything. You know what I'm saying? Coming out of college, and I was just dealing with a lot. You know, I was telling you before. You know, um, like right after I graduated college, my older brother went to prison. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then also my mom was getting hip replacement surgery. So I was traveling back and forth from New York City to Boston to like just trying to manage all these different things. And I'm like, damn, yeah. like, you know, and I still got to make my paper at the same time. You know, I still got to support myself. So I'm like, Yo, this is crazy. And I, I moved into a new apartment. So when we did have that time to like really like sit down and like, you know, not really go anywhere because, of you know, everything was shut down. You know, it just really makes you think like, damn, like. How can I boss myself up in a sense? Mm -hmm. and, and you did that. You figured it out. And, and, and your mom is good. Is that, that's what matters. Your mom's good from that hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's good. Good. But um, getting back to like with the pandemic and stuff, mm -hmm. um, what, it, what was your reaction on the, the government response? The because, gover you know, Trump was still in office at that time. So like what was, um, what was your reaction to, to his... I don't know, managing or handling of the of this situation. You want to call it that? I mean, he fumbled. <laughs> he fumbled big time. I mean, he should have shut the country down as soon as we had that one case in here and and closed it off. But he didn't, and then he didn't take it seriously. He was downplaying the cases and the deaths that were going on around the country. And it's like he's the reason why we're still going what we're going through. Mm. You know, he didn't do enough to to shut it down. And and people are are, are blaming all the mass mandate. He's the reason. He is the reason why this has been politicized. How do you politicize a virus? It kills everyone. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it kills Democrats. It kills Republicans. It kills independents. It kills everyone from all races. How could you politicize that? For sure. But he he managed away. Donald Trump man managed away. And you know, thank God that he's not in office anymore. And I hope that he doesn't get back in after these two years. But. He, he he's the reason why we're in this mess mm. you know i know people that lost jobs and, and a good friend of mine and we know him I'm, i don't want to bring up his name to make him make him feel uncomfortable or anything but he had a good job with with the new york jets mm -hmm. and as soon as covid came along his, his that was it he, he was let go of the job and, and wasn't brought back mm. that's covid right there people really lost their jobs lost people lost their lives and people didn't didn't hold him accountable because they, they look at him as a joke. You know, he's the comedic relief. Like when you go on Twitter and, and you, you hear people, oh, I missed the way that he said, the, the way he said China. You know, it's like people looked at this guy as a, a comedian. It's like, you can't have that guy in office. You need a real politician in there. Mm. He was a clown. You know, he was never taken seriously. And, and something that makes me crazy, no one holds him accountable with, with Trump, is the Central Park Five. Why is this guy on Method Man's album after that situation? Mm. Why is he accepted by all these rappers? You know, if you look back at the Central Park Five, how did this guy fly under the radar for years and wasn't held accountable when he said bring back the death penalty? Right, because of the, you know, with the whole situation. Yeah, yeah I do remember him saying that. No, yeah. one, no one checks him on that. They all let him back in, and they, these people with money like Puff Daddy, you know, have him at his parties. He should have been banned at these hip-hop parties. What was he doing mm. here? But it, it's the money and... You know, people people are sellouts. But just because he has money, they're sellouts. Do you think it was um not only the money, but do you think it was like the the power? The, yeah, like the fame that he had as well too. Because he had his show, The Apprentice. Like I remember being a little kid. I I was a fan of Donald Trump, but this was when I was like a little kid. So you know, I didn't know. I was just looking at the money too, and I would love when he would say, "You're fired." Like I would love that shit. 
And then, and, and you know what's um, crazy? I always thought he stole that from Vince McMahon because of the mm. WWE. And I don't have any clarification on who started that first. If I had to guess, it was probably Vince McMahon because yeah. you know Trump can't come up with an original idea on his own. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but for me, like I, I, I do think it's the fame. And you know what? I think you're, you're seeing some serious things in here in the situations with Jeffrey Epstein and his connection with Trump. You know how he was killed in the jail right. uh, off of things that he had. So I think a lot of these celebrities and celebrities that we even like that we haven't even heard of yet, I think they may have some ties with it where Trump has dirt on these people. Oh, well. so that's why you feel like a lot of people don't want to speak out? Yeah, that, 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 that's probably why as well. I, I think that could be. Very well could be. I mean, hey, look what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And, and there's still not even that much information on that. Like, you know, how did he, how did he get killed in jail it, like that? Apparently, yeah, his neck was snapped, but we know what happened because Trump was in cahoots with him you look at the pictures and, and you watch the documentary on netflix he was in cahoots with him big time mm. but he was president at that time so what's he gonna do he's gonna he's gonna save his ass and that's what he did because epstein was gonna give up whatever he had he had dirt on so many celebrities that were we still we still haven't seen all the, the remnants of it and i think his girlfriend or whoever the one that was recruiting all the the underage girls for him mm-hmm. she's i think she's in, in brooklyn right now being held on charge isn't she, she was found guilty actually she was found guilty on, on it so it, it's going to be interesting if we see more people who were involved with that whole scandal get called out on it and that they were involved because you're seeing what's it, Prince Harry or the King or whatever he was involved with them too mm. yeah that's crazy yeah. Now, I haven't seen the documentary yet I know there's a lot going on with it but I just I haven't really seen it yet so yeah. I, I can't speak on it like accurately and know exactly what I'm talking about to be honest but yeah, yeah it is something that just make you think like what the fuck yeah man? It's how do these people even get in these positions, you know, money and and maybe politics. It comes back to that root every time with this world. The num- number one focal word is politics. Mm. It's all politics and who, you know, and just power for sure. For sure. And how do you think, you know, with what you're doing right now, because you're on the independent grind, how do you think that you'll be able to potentially change those, you know, politics to help people like us get in the door or just you know get that uh you know exposure i you know i've grown an appreciation for podcasts being independent because i was always the one you know radio is where is that mm-hmm. but politics with with everything and then we talk radio is more the politics side of things where podcasts you can have a conversation like this on radio you can't have a conversation like that because they limit what, no. what you put out on their airwaves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've grown from an appreciation of that. And, and just look look, look at what I, I've been able to accomplish. And it's a blessing. You know, thank you to God and everything for the people that I've been able to sit down and interview. I've proved that you don't need to have a, a place in one of those seats at those big buildings. Because I did that in my own way. Mm. Because I, I did it in college. But look what I've done independently already. You can, you can interview who you want to interview. There's no one stopping you. For sure. These radio stations aren't stopping me. I feel like they wouldn't even, you know, with the radio stations, you know, there's a lot of talent that's coming up right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are a lot of up-and-coming radio personalities. And I know the people that are in position, they're seeing it right now. They know that, you know, we're coming. Yeah. You know. They aren't us. But how do you feel, like, is there a way to... I don't know, build those connections, would you say, with some of the mentors in, you know, in the radio game? Like Sway, you know, that's one of my mentors, you know, and I was an intern for his show. So, you know, that connection is there. But 
you know, as far as other personalities, do you think that, you know, that would be a possibility? No. Without having the internship? Because even with, um, you know, to get a radio internship, you have to be enrolled in, in school. So yeah. imagine all the people that are, you know, do have the talent to do radio, but they can't afford to be in school or, you know, they just don't have the access. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, with me not having an internship, you know, I, I just built my own platform. I interned for myself because that's what you told me junior year when I, I couldn't get an internship. And I proved myself on my own platform that I can do the work and in, in who I was interviewing. But as far as like making connections within the, the radio industry with these personalities, absolutely not. I wouldn't. I, you, you can have a different approach. Like my approach is. I don't look at these people as allies because I look at interviewing and, and, and because I've dealt with some of them. I reached out to some of them and a lot of them are threatened and mm. have, have blocked me on social media. OK, and we can get it. That's a whole other story. But I don't look at them as allies because I look at this interviewing game. And shout out to the people that have came on my show and shown love. And, and I, I'll read a couple of the list. You know, yeah, DJ name, Sus name One. some of those uh, personalities. Uh, Sus One's come on my show. DJ Wonder, shout out to him. You know, yeah, he, he blessed my platform. He came on. I'm trying to think who else I had on. Uh, Headcrack from Dish Nation. Mm-hmm. I had him on. Tony Tone, who, who who's on Hot 97. And I've had a, a couple more people. DJ Chuck Chill Out. A couple people come on my platform. And I'm, I'm not talking about those guys. The guys that came on my platform, I'm not talking about. And they, because those, those people showed me love and gave me great advice. I'm talking about the people that I've reached out to and you know gave me the cold shoulder. And they know I'm there because you you've said it. You think my name's running through this industry. It I, has, I, yeah. I, and I just, I just look at it as like I look at the I don't look at them as allies because I look at interviewing and doing a radio show the same way as at battle rapping and MCing. Right, they can't touch me because I do so many. <laughs> do I do over eight hours of research on each guest? Wow, I do. Uh, uh, when I get these big guests, especially, you know, I, I take I put a lot of work into my interviews, and you can notice that within like the past two years, how much work I put into my interviews. So I look at it as there's no personality out here that can touch me inside those buildings. That's how I look at it. And in order, and that's how you know that you're really great at something, and how anyone out there in any field, whatever it is, you could play basketball, you could play tennis, whatever it is. If you feel as though you're the greatest at what you do, then you know that you belong in a certain position. But that that's how I look at it. I just look at it as, you know, no no one can can touch me in those chairs. Mm. You can't put a price on it. Mm. And do you feel like even if you were to get, you know, in one of those positions, do you feel like the, you know, the company, like or the radio station, would they do you think they would understand your vision? Because you do put so much into your interviews and they are very in-depth. And you're not the type of personality that's just going to be trying to pick at the headlines or no. ask, you know, the controversial questions. You you know, you're going to ask them some real shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And really dive into who, you know, whoever you're interviewing is as a person. You're really going to get to build a solid conversation. So do you think they would understand that, like your vision? Uh, at the end of the day, I think they're all about themselves because you, you look at like all these personalities that go in there originally, you hear how mm. they had a vision and then it changed in the end. And then you mm. talk to these personalities like like Drewski, shout out to DJ Drewski too, because he, mm. he is someone that, that loved that New York hip hop where he's like, that's the stuff that we like. But when you get in there, you have to play a, a certain type of music, mm. you know, so it, it's it, people go in there with one vision. You, you're not going to change me like I have my mindset about it. Like if if I'm making money and that's how I'm going to have to survive, then yeah, I guess I'm going to have to do that. But we're going to have to come to an agreement here where I can do what I want to do too. For sure. That's how the only way you're going to, we're going to meet both ways there is if I can help people out with what I want to do and then we accommodate what you want to do because it is your station. Mm. So it's a, 
I scratch your back, you scratch my back situation. For Just sure. Just to look at it. Everyone eats in some sort of way. So you're not going to put me in that chair and play six night when, you know, I want to play who, who are some of the real rappers out here right now that we got? We got the Griselda guys, you know, mm -hmm. play them. Let's hear the, the real rap on these radio stations. How about have a throwback hour to, to yeah. educate the youth on, on the real hip hop? Because you look at all these shows, they, they don't have the throwback hours anymore on these radio stations no, anymore. It's all rotation of the garbage, the mainstream garbage that you hear. And, and, and just on all these shows, the TV shows too. I mean, BET, they took away the hip hop summits. They took away Rap City Basement. They took away 106 and Park was a huge influence uh, for me growing up. So they took away everything that was fundamental to the real hip hop culture. And that's why we have what we have here today and the artists that we have here today. When you look at the top charts on, on iTunes, I don't know. I don't even like classing, classifying it as hip hop in a way because hip hop to me is Nas and big. It comes with a, it has a message. Like you have some party tracks in there, but For you got to sure. put the message in there too. And, you, and you're not going to tell me, oh, well, it's not suitable for radio because back in the day, it got some airplay. It didn't get the most airplay, but there was something there. Right. There was, there was substance. Yeah. Yeah, people were like I have conversations with people that lived in the '90s. They're like, "Oh, you can't dance to that music." They found a way to dance to that music. Right? They found a way. This is all excuses. That's a fact. Yeah, I think it's just something that should be, you know, spoken on like a little bit more. Like even with um my boy uh, Blake Breeze, he now goes by B Ali, mm -hmm. and um Quentin Levon, and also my boy Ja. We actually went up to um fifteen twenty Sedwick Ave, which mm -hmm. is the birthplace of hip hop. Um, because I just wanted to see it. I'm like, you know, I wanted to learn a little bit more about DJ Cool Herc because the the found the founder of it all. Yeah, you go sure. into the Bronx, you learn about Cold Crush and all that. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm the type of person like, you know, I want to know, you know, how did this start, you know? And in order to, to know where you're going, you have to understand where you come from. Mm -hmm. So, in order for hip hop to get to a healthy space, which I feel like it, you know, there's a great balance in hip hop. I don't know if you agree or not because I feel like this is the first time where we really see, you know, the OGs in hip hop and then you have um even younger generations after that like uh you know J Cole's song Middle Child. Mm. I love that song just for the message that it has because he's talking about how he feels like he's in the middle of all of this. So, you know, he has like um different generations that's before him because you know you have the Nas's, the biggies uh mob deep and then you have even a generation after them which we were talking about which is like the 50 cents and the ti's and the Nellies and ludicrous yeah. and it's you know it's kind of like all of those artists are still doing their thing today and then on top of that we have like the newer generation of rappers like the little babies and you know the babies and um yeah. you know money baby right there's always another <laughs> one out there somewhere <laughs> but um yeah I, I feel like that's the first time that this is the first time in hip-hop where we're seeing so much uh you know kind of like diversity and i think it's good because um at one point in time like even when we were kids there was a lot of ageism in hip-hop like how we were talking about, you know, certain rappers, like we didn't know, um, you know, how old they were necessarily. And it seemed like after you turn 30 years old, it's just like you're considered old. Not anymore. Not. Look at Fabio. Yeah. When we bring up a bunch of rappers nowadays. It doesn't matter how old Yeah, they're old yeah. too. And it doesn't matter anymore. And something else that I think we should touch base on too, mm -hmm. you know, to, to kill these radio stations about, is that how about we, we play rappers from back in the day who still release material? 
They don't play those albums anymore. Like you still have De La Soul still releasing songs here today. For sure, you still got those '90s rappers that are still dropping songs. I mean, you'll hear Nas on the radio, of course, because he's he's like an empire. Right. So you'll hear that on there. But what about the small, the smaller acts that are legends of them? Where where where's that music getting played? For sure, they don't play it anywhere. And, and it, that that's something else to me that you know Diamond D. He's got the I did a couple interviews with him from DITC. He's got the Dime Piece Two out, and he's got crazy songs on there. Productions because he's a legend, and what he's done for his production and digging in the crates. But we, we can hear some of the songs off of the Dime Piece. Why can't we have that? For sure. You know, do you think that the radio stations feel like there's no money? in playing um, that type of music because, you know, they have ads that they have to run and they want to try to milk and get the most money out the situation. So do you feel like, you know, if they were to take those risks, do you feel like um, they feel like it's not profitable for them? You, how, do, how would you uh, view that, would you say? I would view that as they, I feel as though they might. They're trying to appeal to a younger demographic, but what about the older demographic? Because then you have them all listening to WBLS, you know. Mm -hmm. So you need to bring in an older demographic. You you can you can go in there and and, and try to preach to the young as, as much as you. And that's the lack of education side of things because they don't do the throwback hours anymore. So how are you retaining the older demographic if you're playing? Little Uzi Vert and, and these guys. So they're not going to want to hear that. They may turn it on and try it out, but at the end of the day, it's not what they listened to growing up. It's not. So you got to have something for everybody. WBLS, what's crazy is actually, I, I heard them play Pop Smoke. I heard them mm -hmm. play, I'm, I'm starting to hear them play younger people. So now the, the older music is really starting to go out the door now. And that, mm -hmm. and that bothers me. Someone that cares about hip hop and even mm -hmm. R&B. That that just bothers because you gotta you gotta you gotta play that out there. You, you really you really gotta keep that going out there for for the hip hop. You know these stations say where hip hop lives. Where are you giving back in the end? Mm. You gotta get back to where it all started. That's that's the truth, man, for real. And with New York being the birthplace of hip hop, you know you got your Mets gear on right now. Yeah. Um, and we here in the Brooklyn podcasting studio, and um. Changing, you know, a little bit of topics, but how do you feel about just the overall, you know, changes in New York? Because we always talk about the essence. Mm. So, you know, I know you had Sky Zoo on your um, on your show. That's right. Shout out to Sky Zoo. All um, the brilliant things we did. We did an interview for his album. Yeah. And talk a little bit about that, because there has been a lot of changes going on in New York. So. You know, talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So, like, when you look at it, you know, he, he, I mean, Sky Zoo and people from New York would know more about it. But I remember when I had him on, we, we talked about gentrification because where I grew up in, in right. Norwalk, they, they took all the sneaker stores out. Now it's all like, it, it just looks like some kind of vineyard vines strip mall all up and down where I grew up you know they took all the sneaker stores out all the jersey stores all the urban outlets that I grew up going to right so and now, like, if you look at it from what Sky Zoo's point of view, he said he doesn't even recognize Brooklyn anymore from where he grew up. I mean, we got, he said that, and this is a perfect thing, and we said this on, on the car ride here because it's close to here. The, the Barclays Center is the, is the epitome of gentrification in New York, especially Brooklyn. Because when we look at New York, the Knicks are the root of New York. I don't care what anyone says. You could put Katie, you could put Kyrie, you could put LeBron. You can even get Jordan out of retirement to even coach the team <laughs> to be the Nets. The Knicks will always yeah. be the heart and soul of New York. Mm. The Nets are, are the gentrification factor of it. Because look at all the big things that the big companies that are coming in New York all of a sudden, all these buildings and, and the condominiums that are all getting put in for these low-income housings and kicking people fact. out of their homes. Yeah. You know, that that's... 
that's something right there that that Sky Zoo said to me. Like just and then the album cover was important because it was him showing his son. The, just the, this was here where he grew up, but now it's some big condominium. Yeah, it's a new construction yeah, site. A, I seen yeah. that because I was watching your interview with Sky Zoo, and um, it was just interesting because I never really heard of a rapper saying like they wanted to make a uh, gentrification as a focal point of their album. I'm like, yo, that's very creative. So when I seen the album, I said, oh shit! Like I was like, wow, this is like a real, you know, you yeah. see like all this stuff changing. And even, um, you know, it's happening citywide. And we were talking about on the ride over here, too. Like, you know, it's crazy how even with the pandemic where, you know, everybody struggling, it's crazy how all these uh, major corporations have all this money. Money for build. construction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they I wonder don't why. Stop, yo. <laughs> they don't stop, man. Like even um, in Queens, cause I live out in Queens, right? Um, go to Jamaica Avenue now. Oh my God! Like yo, they're building like these high rise. Um, not surprised. Yeah, luxury uh, condominiums. I'm like, yo, this was not here when I came to New York back in 2015. No. And they're ripping and running through it, and um, even in Queens too, because you know the New York, um, the Long Islanders, the hockey team. They recently built, built the, their, the, the new stadium. Yeah, yeah. They, and, and that screwed up their season because they went through COVID mm-hmm. and they had to wait because they had to play all away games. Really? Because of that. So, yeah, because the stadium wasn't finished. So now they're losing on the road. The COVID hit them. And that's why they didn't make the playoffs this year. But I'm a Ranger fan, so. Mm. I, I noticed with that, right, the UBS arena, because where they used to play before was at the Nassau, Nassau Coliseum, Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Uniondale. And then they ended up moving over to um, Belmont, mm-hmm. which is like right on the borderline of Queens and uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. And like literally you could walk from the UBS arena to Queens Village, which is okay. in New York City. So I was thinking to myself like, damn, like even areas that I thought that they weren't going to gentrify. Like they, they, they figured even, out a way. <laughs> yeah, they figured out a they way. Figured out. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, bro. It's really crazy. It is. So how do you, like, when you do go back to Norwalk, um, is there anything left there that reminds you of, you know, what you grew up like? Because I know you said there was a couple of um, housing complexes that they, like, tore down and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it always feels like a sense of home because that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the same that I know because everywhere I, I went when I was younger, places that I traveled to pretty much or something different. Now, all the restaurants I went to, all the sneaker stores I went to, all gone so it's like a place that i don't even know but you know it's still got that that feeling in the air it's still norwalk but it's not the same norwalk that i knew growing up mm. and it's crazy that that that's happening in um connecticut yeah and norwalk is pretty close to new york city so a lot of those people that were probably living in um parts of the city probably had to get pushed out to norwalk yeah yep and I was asking you, I was like, where do you think those people that were living in Norwalk before, where do you think they moved to? I couldn't even tell you, man. It's it's just a tragic thing because they, they kick people out and it's mm. like you just got to fend for yourselves and, and go where you can go get where you can fit in. Mm. And I, I, I don't agree with that, how people are just kicking people out like that. And it's it's a shame. It know? is, man. It's all money. Everything's all monetary. And you know what's crazy, right? Like, even with this whole gentrification thing, like, this is happening 
like nationwide because you know my my mom's side of the family is from north carolina mm -hmm. and they're even dude i swear to god like they're even gentrifying like the rural areas in north carolina like um because you know i have family in clayton clayton north carolina and um you know this is a small town you mm -hmm. know it's probably like twenty thousand people there and they're building luxury condominiums there. Like, I remember certain parts of that town where there was just, like, you know, it was forest and stuff like that. And now they tore that down. And now they're building all these luxury condominiums. And I'm like, if they're doing that in, you know, rural areas, like the big cities, they, they don't really have much of a chance. No. No. That's scary. It is. And, and it's happening fast. Like, mm. the way that they're building these things. Yeah. They're up in the in the middle of the night. It's like you go to sleep and you wake up and they're there. <laughs> That's how fast it's happening. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. It's so unrecognizable now, especially where fact. I grew up. It's like all around it, it's just condominiums and this. That's not how it looked when I was younger, and it just went up out of nowhere for sure. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Gray Star Enterprise? No, I haven't. Um, so they're like the top, um, multifamily unit developers in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, their CEO, Bob Faith, there's a YouTube video of it, um, which I'm going to share on my Instagram page, but this was back in like 2010. So these dudes, um, like they had like this, uh, this conference meeting, like this big conference meeting. Right. And, um, he was, he was doing like a interview. It was like three minutes long or whatever. And he talks about how, um, you know, talks about certain markets and he talks about being um, a tactical investor. And what he was saying was that they look for, um, you know, there's two types of investors. There's people that are investing for the short term mm -hmm. and then you got people that's investing more for the long term. And they said with these tactical investors is that they um, they look for like distressed markets. And I know, like you said, like Norwalk, the area that you come from is, you know, it's the hood. So yeah. that was like a distressed market that um, I don't know if Star Enterprise had any, you know, condominiums that they were developing there. But it just goes to show you, because even in my neighborhood, you know, I didn't really know too much about um, gentrification like that. Like I remember in Boston, the first time that I really started seeing them do like all these um you know, building up these new properties was back in um, 2010. So this was right after the 2008 recession. recession. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, they first they started building townhouses. They weren't building the luxury condominiums. But because we were recovering from um, the 2008 recession, like a lot of black people were moving into those um, townhouses at the time. Mm -hmm. And then there, there was another, um, there was like a whole neighborhood that they kind of built in boston where they put up like it's a nice ass neighborhood bro but it's in it's in the hood um and it's like right off of blue hill ave and they built like all these houses and stuff like that they didn't build no build they built no luxury condominiums it's like single family housing now you don't even see them building single family housing and um what what happened was because the housing market was so messed up mm -hmm. you know there was more people of color that were able to afford and move into those properties. But now you're starting to see, you know, 10 years later, we get into the 2020s, you know, people, um, you know, they're not able to afford to move into those luxury condominiums. No. I mean, you look at the rent prices for yeah. like one rooms, it's astronomical, the prices through the roof for mm -hmm. just one bedroom 
that's it. It's just a one bedroom condominium or just apartment anywhere. It's uh, the the inflation level has gone up and and everything and, and not just <laughs> yeah. housing. We talked about this before as well. It's just how do you make a living nowadays in the minimum wage being ten. Ten dollars in, in Connecticut. Some, yeah, 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 it's like ten dollars in Connecticut. And but what's it in New York? Um, I don't know what it is in New York, but I know in the city is is fifteen. It's like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. It, but you how, can't how live you off. Live, you can't live off that. It's hard to live off it. And I have a minimum wage job right now because I work at Shake Shack. Yeah. And I'm like, I was getting no opportunities. You know, I try to apply to different um radio stations, and you know, I didn't. Get in. Yeah. It's okay. And, and you know what you do? You you came here to do your show with the Y podcast. Why? Sure. Because this is what you do and you're not gonna back down and let that discourage you. And I salute you for that. Because no, I appreciate there's a lot that. of people that give up on that and you know, don't give up on any lane that you, you you're looking to achieve out there and let anyone discourage you because at the end of the day, you're driving your life. Right. You, you're you're your own driver, so you can't tell me to, to pull over. Right. Who's a radio station tell me to pull over? So you come here. And you do your show and just build your platform up from there, and, and it's gonna keep growing. It's gonna grow and grow and grow. Keep making connections. Keep bring, bringing people on and and letting people express themselves. That's the main thing because you're letting people tell their story for real. And I'm putting up like my own money, like, and yeah. that's one thing that the pandemic also taught me too is, um, you know, just try to find ways to become more financially literate. Because um, prior to the pandemic, I knew nothing about like investing, mm. and I I realized like. Um, once the pandemic started, I'm like, wow, like, you know, I have all this time. Let me teach myself some stuff to, you know, help better my situation and whatnot. So, you know, I learned a little bit about the stock market and stuff. And, you know, also with the um, money that we were getting too. like if you had a job and um, you got laid off or whatever, whatever, or you just couldn't work because of the pandemic, you would get um, what is it called? The PUA, uh, Pandemic Unemployment assistance mm -hmm. and i was getting those checks so a lot of that money that i used from that i was paying off bills that i had oh like thousands of dollars in bills bro and then um some of the other money i took to like invest in my business because i'm like yo when am i gonna make this like lump sum of money again i don't know the next time i'm gonna come across some cash like this so let me be wise about this situation and I know that, you know, I have aspirations of being the CEO one day. So let me invest in my business. And that's when I created the Cornbread Media LLC mm -hmm. because I was like, you know, I have the money and it's time to make a move. I can't wait for, you know, a radio station to no. say like, oh, because you, you'll up. be bald yeah. and 40 with a beer gut. You can't do that. <laughs> you want to you want to you, you want to go out there and get it now. And that's how people should do like. Age discrimination. Who are you to tell us that we got to wait till we're 30 or 40 to, to get in and do what we want to do? I ain't waiting. You're not waiting. No, no one not. should wait. You know what? I'm not waiting till I'm 40. I'm not. Uh, that's why I'm I'm branching out and, and looking to be successful in another lane and build myself up in that way and 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 get get what's mine. That's a fact, man. And that that's something that a lot of people, you know, they may not have that tunnel vision to be like, yo, let me, I'm just going to go out and get what's mine. But a lot of people will respect it, but they may not even speak on it. No, but I just know for myself, like I'm in a position where, you know, if my business does get su successful, you know, I can help out the people that, you know, I do care about and give opportunities to, um, you know, up and coming personalities, people that can, you know, really just share their stories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah. We can all learn from each other. Just like, you know, 
I learn from you, you can learn from me, Absolutely. and we share yeah. the knowledge, you know? Yeah, and, and just, you know, letting people have their stories and the things that, you know, they can speak on, being a voice for the voiceless, because you give the voiceless a voice at the end of the day. Mm. And that's what, you know, the Why podcast, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started it, because, you know, you get to hear, like, these stories, like, you know, when you look back on it, you'll be like, damn, like, I seen this person start out you know, from the grind up and they had to really make a way for themselves, yeah. you know, because it's not every time that I get to be in the studio. It's not like how I was in high school, in college, I could go to a station every day. Now I got to save up my money in order to record. But it just makes it, you know, all that all that much more rewarding because it's like, you know, I'm really taking my time and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make the right investments and, you know, hopefully that builds into something great. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, you man. were there from the ground up for me for sure. I know that you mm -hmm. know there through difficult times, and I appreciate that. You no know? doubt, bro. No doubt. This whole game teaches you to keep your 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 friends close and, and keep keep the keep a tight circle of people. You know for what real? I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's most definitely. Now, um, getting back to your radio career, you know, I know that Dave East, like that's one of you know that's your favorite artist out right now. Yeah, right? that's of my the favorite generation. That's my favorite artist out right now. I was on him since Black Rose and Hate Me Now was early on in his career, and mm -hmm. and just followed his journey and just someone that I greatly respect. And he's underrated. He doesn't get the the love that he deserves. He puts it on for New York, and it's just a shame. But he does great things for the community. Like I see, we we just we talked about this recently too. He just opened up his own store in Harlem, yeah, the Delhi. And, you know, he's doing great things. He's, he's continuing the marathon for Nipsey Hustle, And I, pe people should really look at Davies and what he's doing out here and, and praise him for his music, please. And and just what he does off the field, off the, out of the studio. For know, sure. He's doing great things in and out the studio. Most definitely. Yeah. What was it like um, taking the time to interview him and sit down with him? It, it was great because, you know, I actually felt because that was like the interview that was really just... That really, because that was like huge Dave East. I got a Dave East interview. Yeah. And, and, and it was weird because I describe it as I didn't know I, that was in me. And, and I felt mm. as though I had like an alter ego inside of me. And yeah. I, I, I turned on that <laughs> microphone and it was just so natural. And yeah. I got to sit there and it was it was a vibe. Like we For just sure. vibe like like I knew him. It was weird. We just vibe. I, I was the only college radio personality ever. He said it on the show to have him freestyle. I had him freestyle for me. So wow. that meant a lot yeah. for me to, to get him to freestyle on my show, being in college, being my favorite artist and, and be the first to do that. So I, I'm always, always someone out there breaking records. And that was definitely... A record for me just getting him to spit that freestyle for me over a mob deeps eye for an eye that's dope man and also um a good hip-hop friend of davies g herbo g herbo you yeah. got the chance to interview him back in december of 2021 yeah um speak a little bit about that experience because i know that you asked him questions about uh nipsey hustle and his impact in the community and also having um psd and just overall just trauma I, I was invited out there to do an interview with G Herbo on his 25 tour because it was his 25 tour out in New Jersey in December. Mm -hmm. And that, that really helped me put my independent platform on the map because I was independent. I like to say I was independent five years, four, four years yeah. because I was getting the interviews myself. Okay. Yeah. It, it was myself that I got those interviews. And it was that G Herbo was a solidification right there. It solidified me that hey, I'm independent now and, and Max is here and it's just, he's on his way and, you know, interviewing him because I like to bring my guests through their journey and speak on important things. You know, I don't want to know about the relationships, the, the negativity the I heard about his PTSD. So I wanted to bring that to the forefront. And I asked him, a, I think it was a pivotal question 
was his PTSD? Did was it difficult for him to come out and admit that he had PTSD? Because if there's other people out there that are struggling, whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be PTSD mm. to come out and speak about what they're going through to make them feel comfortable so they can solve it or go some through some type of therapy to get that healed and, and just feel better about themselves and not afraid to speak out about what they're going through. And and that's something I did with his interview and asking about Nipsey Hussle because he does a lot for schools in Chicago. Yeah, he bought a school in yeah. um, Chicago, right? He bought a school in Chicago. I wanted to bring that up and just so that, you know, we, we can just keep the keep the, keep the, the, the good that people are doing for communities highlighted and so mm. that other people can follow through mm. and, and keep going on that, that's the main thing I, I do in my interviews it's 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 always about their career i never focus on the negativity because i hate it you know i want to be the personality that's liked not hated you know people always mm -hmm. go for the clickbaity thing and it and and sometimes that makes the guests angry when you ask them something that's so controversial so i stay away from that i want to make it like it, it's like a documentary type of interview when we do it but then we get on serious subjects like my interview with my son we right. did like that, that whole interview. We didn't get into his rap career until like the last like 25 minutes of the interview. Great interview, by the way. Oh, thank you, yeah, man. I, I just watched that. it too. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we, we got into like everything that he's done out there for doing for Black Lives Matter marches and, and going out there and, and speaking at the George Floyd and, and everything that he's doing out there. I wanted to cover that because at the end of the day, that's life and that's more important than music. And mm. I made sure to get that covered for him. Mm. Yeah, it's dope what my son is doing. Mm -hmm. um, Shout out to know, my son. I really like him because he's he always talks about just leadership, you know, in yeah. the community and also just like bridging those gaps that we always talk yeah. about, like trying to get the younger people to, you know, carry on the torch because at some point, you know, we're going to have to, you know, lead the way the best way we know how, you know, we may not have all the tools and the resources, but we got to try something, yeah. you know, yeah. something's got to give. No, you're right. For sure. You're absolutely right. And what do you think, um, you know, with my son, with him going to prison and stuff like that, um, like what's your perspective on, you know, the incarceration system in America, like the judicial system? It, it's the systemic racism that, that black people face in America. You just look into it. He was wrongfully convicted. And you hear about, because we covered about it, like, you know, mm -hmm. rapists and, and pedophiles get out within like, a short term, but him, someone that that was wrongfully convicted of what was it, armed robbery, I think it was, or assault, mm -hmm. and, and he didn't even do it, that just proves it to me right there because he had to go away for like seven years. Right. That, that just proves it right there that systemic racism is, racism is there and there needs to be something done about it. And, and these politicians have to step up. They got to step up and we and we have to vote. You have to vote because people don't go out there. They always preach, oh, voting. Your vote doesn't count. Your vote, it does count because you got to vote for who's going into Congress. You got to vote for who's going to be governor, mayor, and all these seats, judges. You, th all those matter because if those seats aren't filled with the right people, right. how's the president going to pass what he wants to pass? That's going to help everybody out in the end. Mm. And I think that's why you're seeing Biden not pass a lot of stuff out there right now. I mean, he just he just passed the the anti-lynching bill. I mean, it only took 100 years, but he just passed that, the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill, which was important. But there's so many other bills out there, police brutality, that need to be passed. And, and it's these Republican congressmen and that are out there holding it back and not letting it pass through. And if we got the right people in office and in the Congress and stuff, we could make things happen more easy. For but sure. then you get someone like Trump in there and he sets us back to the 50s. Right. But how do you get, you know, a generation like our generation, the young generation, like the kids from the 90s and the 2000s to want to um, 
kind of take on those positions because you see a lot of people now is like everybody's just jumping to the entertainment field. So how do you <laughs> how do you direct it to where, you know, there is that diversity within, you know, these fields that there are people that uh, look like you and I or people that think like you and I that can be put in these positions? I, I really do think it's just the amount of it's the education factor. There's got to be some outlet that opens up that, which was what the hip hop BT summits were back in the day. You know, spoke mm-hmm. about real things. I think that's why you don't see like the 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 young the younger kids and the youth getting involved, and even the older ones, as you mentioned, like from the '90s and like our age. Yeah. You know, they really got to find that. They got to find a way to educate themselves, and you got to blame the schools too, because the, the the schools. I talked about this with my son. They whitewash everything. Mm. They whitewashed a lot of stuff. Like we didn't like I didn't learn about Black Wall Street in high school. I had to find out about that about myself. They taught us about Martin Luther King, right? And, and that that's about it. And like maybe the Underground Railroad, but they didn't they didn't teach us about the Nation of Islam. They didn't teach us about Malcolm X. I mean, they, they spoke very briefly about it, but it's not to the point as what they should be doing out there. And I think if they really taught the truth and were really exposing what's really out there, I think maybe more people would be vocal about it, and it would open up for people of all races to come out and work together and, and, and just build on that, build it, put up a platform, build on it. Mm. Yeah, man. Wow. That's true, bro. Yeah. And uh, it's sad because even, you know, in my school that I went to, like I went to, um, you know, a public school, but it was in a predominantly white area. You know what I'm saying? Me coming from Boston, I was mm-hmm. a part of this program called MECO, which um, what they do is, they take uh, kids from the inner city of Boston and then you go to suburban and rural areas, but you're going to public schools out there. So it's just like you're not really learning information that could, you know, that's teaching you about your past when it comes to black history. Yeah, they're going to tell you about Martin Luther King, but they're not telling you more so about the knowledge that is um going to help you build it, just give you the confidence. And not saying that MLK, you know, wasn't doing that because he definitely was, mm-hmm. but I just feel like there needs to be more of a platform or more of a resource. Maybe the teachers, maybe they have to diversify, you know, the people that they're hiring there. Yeah, that we talked about that with my son too, yeah. hiring more black professors. And, you know, one, I'd say like one of the greatest, not professors, but teachers I had in high school was my religion teacher, mm-hmm. Dr. Or Professor Umo, I remember I had him, and he was like one of the the greatest teachers I ever had because he he, he taught us a lot about racism, and, and, right. and he was a religion teacher, and he I learned more from him in my final year in high school than I learned from anyone else in my th- uh, three other years there. Well, the other teachers in my fourth year, and you know it just opens you up to it, it get it gets you out. It's the meeting of the minds, mm. as they say. If you if you that, that's what college is for too. It's supposed to open you up to all different walks of life. You know, that, that that's just how it was. Like when I when I got there my freshman year, I heard that I was going to be dorming with lacrosse players. And I was mm. like, oh, my God, these white lacrosse players, you got to be freaking kidding me. But then when I got to know them and they got to know me, we were cool. Like mm-hmm. I, and shout out to those guys, too. You know, it, it was a great freshman year. It was definitely a, an experience with yeah. them. I know <laughs> it was crazy times, but, you know, it opened up my mind and not to be so close minded and. You know, it, it, college changed my life for, for the for the best instead of the, the worst. You know, you had some negatives in there, mm-hmm. but it, it was more positive than negative. Mm. And do you feel like with, um, you know, just you getting, um, what, what was I going to say? Just like, uh, I can't even think of the word right now. I just had such a crazy day today. <laughs> but like a higher education. That's what I wanted to say. Um, 
Like, how do you think that? Do you think that's necessary? Uh, like for every, uh, like like for going people? for a graduate program and stuff like that. Well, just going to like college and well, you know or, or university. I think everyone's life is different. I mean, you're gonna do what you're gonna do. Like me, I mean, if I, sometimes I sit back because I I haven't gotten to where I want to be in the position yet of running my doing my thing, run, having a big radio show on a big station. And for sure. I look at it as I, I wouldn't be in the position right now if I didn't go to college because I wouldn't have a show at all. Mm. So it's like I'm thankful for that. So every every position's different. And, you know, everyone's got to do what they got to do. You know, Kanye had to drop out of college. And then that, that, was his, that was his thing. And he made it his own way. So everyone's path is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone's path, journey and path is different. That's true, man. I do think that college... I wouldn't say it's necessary, but I do feel like it is important yeah. um, because it does give you the opportunity to network. Absolutely. Yeah, and networking, yeah, that's another thing that you got to bring up, networking, and just that right. just goes hand in hand. And it, it, you just got to take advantage when you're there. You know, you, time is money. Time is of the essence. Mm. Uh, that's something that my mom instilled in me when I went there. She's like, you got to make the most of your time because it'll be gone like this. I made mm. the most of my time in college. You know, I have no regrets. I have n- nothing that I wish that I did different or, or something I did, you know, I went and did something else. I feel as though I accomplished everything there was to co- in college. Most definitely. Yeah. And it proves with your radio show and just your overall, just your demeanor, how you carry yourself mm-hmm. with confidence and how you know what you want for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And that's something that in the classroom they don't teach you because no. a lot of people feel like, okay, you know, if I get the A's and B's, then that's going to lead to me getting a good job. But, you know, it doesn't always work out like that. You know, there's people that were probably on on a roll and, you know, had straight A's, but they can't find a decent job that's going to help them because, you know, it's more so like the certification aspect. Like when you get that A, you know, it's it's a good validation for you, but at the end of the day, it's not going to secure your bag. You know, it's not going to set you up you know for where you need to be necessarily no it's more so about you know networking and also putting in the groundwork like how you and i are doing um you know we took the time to really do the research to build our independent platforms and they're still growing you know we're not there yet because we just started out in our careers but you know at some point in time we will get there absolutely you already know it for sure bro and um is there anything else you want to, you know, let the people know as far as like, you know, what you're working on and, you know, different things that you have going on for yourself, bro? Yeah. Um, just like I said, I'm going to continue doing my shows. You you know, I do it every week, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can check out the show on on YouTube, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Live 365, Mad Max Radio. I built my own independent radio station uh, during the pandemic. And check it out on iHeart and the podcasting platforms, all that Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm on all the podcasting platforms. You know, I'm always working on getting interviews and, and doing big shows. And just, you know, I'm ready to take that next leap and getting into acting. I'm ready because I'm here to get what's mine. Most definitely, man. I was thinking, too, yo, one of these days, man, we got to do, I don't know, like a TV show together or something like yeah. that. Like, I was always thinking, like, you know, it would be funny if we do, like, a a sitcom or some, some shit like that, like a comedy sitcom. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we, we should. That'd yeah, man. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the Why podcast. Yeah, man. And um, I also have a gift for you, bro. Oh, really? You didn't have to get me Yes, that. sir, man. You already know. But um, You didn't have to get me no gift. What's... Oh man, you 
Oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, that I was from. Uh, I'll show that up to the camera here. I think the camera can see that. Yo, shout out to to Andrew for making this to me, and you know that that's special right there. No doubt, man. Right, why DJ Mad Max radio personality and, and journalist, and you know, yeah. I, I remember when I, you had me send you this picture. Mm -hmm. You want a picture uh, of me? Where? How would you describe it? How did you, it was a picture? You had your own phrase for mm -hmm. what, what picture you used a specific picture that you wanted me to send you. Well, I was thinking that you know the picture should just kind of describe more so like what you're about. You know what I'm saying? A picture that kind of represents um, your youth in a sense. And pretty much saying, like, you know, it uh, displays, like, where you come from. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, they always say pictures say a thousand words. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, you just resonate with certain pictures. And I just felt like, you know, when you sent me that picture of you being in the WSJU radio station, I was like, wow, this really was like the beginning of your career, you know. And you can just see how focused you are on what you want to do. So... That's really, yeah. you know, what it stems from. It does. Yeah. You know, I chose that picture, you know, born alone, die alone. I, and that's me right now, my independent state. You know, mm. I left there by myself. We know, we know what happened. And, you know, I, I was always doing, working by myself. And I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with rolling solo. You don't need 30, 30 snakes. You need five real friends. That's all you need. For sure, bro. I want to thank you for coming on to the Y podcast, you know, and sharing your story. And I'm very grateful uh, for you man. being here. Yo, it almost did not happen, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we made it here. So I just want to thank you, bro. And, um, you know, I look forward to see what you got going on in the future, man. I appreciate that, man. And and, and let we plug the socials in here and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plug. Go ahead, bro. All right, yeah. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Real Max, T H E R E E L M A X. Again, T H E R E E L M A X. And Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. You know what it is. And, and I know you're going to close out. Sky's the limit, though. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Young Cornbread. Or you could also check out my uh, business page, which is Cornbread Media on Instagram. And uh, yeah, man, thank you, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Great show. Keep it up. One of the best up and coming in the making. I appreciate Forget it. Forget the Power 105s. Forget the big radio stations. Come to the Y Podcast at Brooklyn Podcast Studio. You know what it is. Young Cornbread. Shout out to him. Well, I appreciate it, bro. And um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Peace. Peace out.